to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The greatest argument for the existence of God is Jesus Christ. I mean, in a sense, if you wanted to, you could throw out all of the other arguments. If Jesus Christ was not God in human flesh, who in the world was he? Now, some people say, well, he didn't even really exist. But there's no reputable historian on the planet that believes that. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1, in a message titled, There is a God. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Basically, an irrefutable argument. But there's also what is known as the moral argument. The moral argument states that there must be a God to account for the universal sense of right and wrong among people. This is a common conviction. Doesn't matter where you've been at in history. It doesn't matter where you have been located geographically. It doesn't matter what your cultural background, your language, religion, none of those things matter. Everybody for all time has had very similar convictions about certain things being right and certain things being wrong. We are probably the first generation that is attempting to embrace the idea that there is no absolute truth, that there is nothing that is intrinsically right or wrong. And and that's a popular idea today. It's a popular idea on the, the university campuses. It's a popular idea in certain Uh, sections of our government. It's a popular idea in our pop culture. But you know, the, the fact of the matter is, there are no true relativists. People can argue relativism. People will insist that there's nothing right or wrong. But that same person who's insisting that there's nothing right or wrong, if you popped them in the nose when you were in your discussion with them, they would protest that you shouldn't do that. And you could respond, well, why shouldn't I do it? And you know what they would say? Because it's wrong. Well, why is it wrong? You just told me there is no right or wrong. So, you know, relativism is something that you can only hold theoretically. It only works in a classroom. It doesn't work in real life. Nobody lives like a relativist. Everybody lives like there are absolutes. Of course, because there are. And so this is another one of the arguments. And then an argument that kind of leads or, or, you know, follows in sequence with the moral argument is what is known as the argument from congruity. And the argument from congruity is based on the belief that the postulate which best explains the related facts is probably true. So... In this particular case, belief in the existence of God best explains the facts of our moral, mental, and religious nature, as well as the facts of the material universe. So without this postulate, God exists, these facts, our moral nature, our mental nature, our religious nature, our material universe, without the postulate, God exists, 
These facts are inexplicable. There's no good explanation for these things apart from the existence of God. God's existence is the best possible explanation for the existence of these things. And so that's the argument from congruity. There are several others. There's the argument from history, which is similar to the argument from congruity. But, but in history, we find that man is, is a religious creature. All men are religious. All men worship something. And the best explanation for that is that there is a creator who put that desire in the heart of man when he created him. And so, you know, we, we, could, we could go on further with these arguments, but we'll stop there. But in my opinion, and I think that many of you would agree with me, each of these arguments presents the logical and reasonable conclusion that must be drawn from the observable evidence. But here's what we have to understand regarding atheism. Although atheism masquerades as intellectual, it is not. It is irrational and it is unreasonable. And at the end of the day, we will discover that the atheist is merely hiding behind their intellect. There's something else that's driving the atheist. But when you really listen to what these men are saying, although they are quite brilliant in certain respects, when you listen to their reasoning processes and their, the conclusions that they're drawing, you, you have to realize that on this particular topic, they have checked their brain at the door. They're no longer thinking. Listen to Richard Dawkins. And Dawkins, of course, is probably the most uh, vocal of the atheists today. He's probably one of the most well-known spokesmen for atheism. But, but listen to what he says, and I want to give you a couple of quotes from him to show you the irrationality of his thinking process. He said, the world is divided into things that look as though somebody designed them, wings and wagon wheels, hearts and televisions, and things that just happen through the unintended workings of physics, mountains and rivers, sand dunes and solar systems. Charles Darwin discovered a way in which the unaided laws of physics, the laws according to which things just happen, could, in the fullness of geologic time, come to mimic deliberate design. Now listen, the illusion of design is so successful that to this day, most Americans... He's British, and he doesn't like us, <laughs> especially those who disagree with him, including significantly many influential and rich Americans stubbornly refuse to believe it is an illusion. So the funny thing about Dawkins is he fully agrees that there is an appearance of design, but he just simply says it's not possible. Or he attributes design to unaided, the, the term that he uses here, the unaided laws of physics. The, these things just happen given enough time. Of course, this is always you know, the argument. Now, do you think that given enough time, this pulpit that I'm standing behind could turn into a space shuttle? 
I mean, let's just say we had an infinite amount of time. Or we'll put a limit on it. Let's just say 30 billion years. Do you think in 30 billion years, if we could somehow leave the pulpit right here and come back in 30 billion years, do you think it would have progressed, evolved into a space shuttle? You don't think that, do you? I don't think that either. Because it never would happen. But you see, this is Dawkins' theory. This is his idea. That given enough time, anything is possible. Now, but here's an interesting thing about Richard Dawkins. How many of you saw um, the movie Expelled? Have you seen that movie? It's, It's a good movie. Now, in that movie, Ben Stein interviewed Richard Dawkins. And amazingly... Amazing to me, because Dawkins is so arrogant and he's so stubborn. But amazingly, he conceded that there could possibly be an intelligent designer behind creation. He conceded that that is a possibility, but he insisted that the designer would be an extraterrestrial being rather than the biblical God. So... You see what I mean? This is where it becomes irrational. And when you listen to some of these these men, these these great scientific minds in some senses, but, you know, it's like Paul said in Romans, professing to be wise, they became fools. And as he stated this, it just became utterly foolish because this this is the alternative. This is the option. Rather than creation, rather than conceding that there is a God, although all the evidence points in that direction, they're willing to go for space people. They're, they're, they're willing to go for Martians, you know, transporting life here through spores and things like that. I mean, this is what these guys are saying. So as I said a moment ago, Richard Dawkins and the New Atheist, these are men who in reality are intellectually dishonest. And what they're doing is they're hiding behind their scientific degrees. But the real issue is a moral issue. Because the bottom line for every one of these men is simply this. They do not want there to be a God because they do not want to believe that they are accountable to a God who has a moral standard. In the end of the day, that's what this whole conflict is really all about. Now, of course, they claim to be smarter than everybody else, but we know that that's easily refutable because a man with just as, as great of mind scientifically or even greater historically have believed in God and in, even presently. There are many that you could find that could go easily toe-to-toe with these men when it comes to dealing with scientific issues. There's a man by the name of Anthony Flew. Anthony Flew was known as the world's foremost atheistic philosopher for more than 50 years. He recently wrote a book, and it's a great little read. The book is entitled, There is a God. The subtitle is, How the World's Most Notorious Atheist Changed His Mind. And I'd like to quote to you from Anthony Flew. He said this, Science cannot furnish an argument for God's existence. 
But the laws of nature, life with its teleological organization, and the existence of the universe can only be explained in the light of an intelligence that explains both its own existence and that of the world. How, it might be asked, do I as a person respond to the discovery of an ultimate reality that is an omnipresent and omniscient spirit? I must say again, this is very significant, I must say again that my journey to my discovery of the divine has thus far been a pilgrimage of reason. I have followed the argument where it has led, and it has led me to accept the existence of a self-existent, immutable, immaterial, omnipotent, and omniscient being. Where do I go from here? In the first place, I am entirely open to learning more about the divine reality, especially in the light of what we know about the history of nature. Second, the question of whether the divine has revealed itself in human history remains a valid topic of discussion. You cannot limit the possibilities of omnipotence except to produce the logically impossible. Everything else is open to omnipotence. With particular reference to the Christian claim that God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ, as I have said more than once, no other religion enjoys anything like the combination of a charismatic figure like Jesus and a first-class intellectual like Paul. If you're wanting omnipotence to set up a religion, it seems to me that this is the one to beat. Now, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I've been praying for this guy since I read, since I read his book. And he's got some really gifted men around him who are sharing the gospel with him. And uh, I, I just, it just seems to me that if he's not already stepped over the threshold, he is right there and, and ready to step through. But here's the interesting point. Anthony Flew was the man who supplied Dawkins and all of these guys with their arguments for atheism. So he's the granddaddy of them all. And he, and, and you know what convinced him? Irreducible complexity and the entropic principle. As he really began to look at the biochemistry, as he really began to understand the irreducible complexity of the cell, it, he, it brought him to a, a place of having to concede that this could not have developed on its own. It could not have developed by chance. There has to be a designer. And... You know, I share this message because we all have friends, we all have family, we all have people that we know and love, maybe people that we work with and so forth, who, who hold to some of these ideas, who listen to these guys. And quite often they don't get to hear the other side of the story. But this is where I think, again, as I said initially, it's important that we understand these things to some degree so that we can communicate these things to others. Because if the world's most notorious atheist could change his mind after so many years, at the age of 83, then I think, wow, you know, the possibilities are limitless. 
But one other point, and this is the one that I've saved for last intentionally. In the final analysis, the greatest argument for the existence of God is Jesus Christ. I mean, in a, you know, in a sense, if you wanted to, you could throw out all of the other arguments that we presented. If Jesus Christ was not God in human flesh, who in the world was he? Now, some people say, well, he didn't even really exist. But there's no reputable historian on the planet that believes that. Some people would say that, well, you know, he was a huckster. He was a charlatan. He was a phony. He deceived the people. But there's nothing in the biblical text to indicate that any of those kinds of things could, could really be applied to Jesus. And in the final analysis, he is the greatest argument for God's existence. Because as we're told in Colossians, he is the image of the invisible God. And it's in Jesus that God is revealed. And I really do think, although, as I mentioned, these other arguments, I think, have some relevance and have a place. We can utilize them. But, you know, really, these other arguments lead you mainly to more of a theistic position. Now, Muslims are theist. Jews are theist. And, and of course, we are as well. We, we believe that there is a God. That's what theism is. It's the belief in a God. But being convinced that there is a God is not adequate to save one. Something beyond that is necessary. And that, as you know, is, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. But in Jesus himself, all of these other arguments culminate in him. And this is what I really think. I think our best weapon today is to just present Jesus. And again, these other arguments might, you know, have a place. But when it's all said and done, the greatest argument is Jesus Christ himself. How do you explain Jesus? Who is this man, Jesus? How is it that he has had such an impact on history, an impact on every culture, every people? How is it that still today, millions upon millions of people are worshiping him, following him? His words are more famous than anybody else's words in history. How do you explain all of that? I think it's really unexplainable unless Jesus is who the Bible claimed that he is. But when we consider the uniqueness of Christ, when we consider just some, some simple things like his his birth, his virgin birth. That puts Jesus in a category all by himself. Nobody else in history ever came into the world except through a human relationship between a man and a woman. But Jesus is unique with the virgin birth. He's unique with the miracles that he performed. Although others perform miracles, nobody performed the types of miracles that Jesus did. He's unique in the life that he lived. He lived a perfectly sinless life. He never thought, said, or did anything contrary to the heart 
the will, the purposes of God. Jesus died a unique death. He died on behalf of others and, of course, the ultimate demonstration of his authority, of his person, is his resurrection. This is really the great irrefutable fact, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, as we think about the whole subject of God and his existence, I'm glad that we are able to draw on some of these other arguments. But at the end, I always need to go back to Christ. He is the ultimate argument for the existence of God. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things And in him, all things consist. And you see, this great and glorious God, who is the first cause of everything, this great and awesome God, who is the designer behind all of this complex design, he is the purposer, if that's a word, behind the purpose in this universe. He is the one who has written his laws upon our hearts. He is the one who best explains all of these things. This great and glorious, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, immutable, all of those great words, this God, this God who caused the light to shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of this God in the face of Jesus Christ. And that's the glorious thing. This great God who created all things, a universe that is so vast that we can't even begin to comprehend it but life that is so minute that we can't even really see it. In some cases, all we can see is certain reactions, and therefore we conclude that there must be something because of these reactions. But the God who made all of these things, from the microcosm to the macrocosm, this God has been revealed to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And we have, because of Jesus, not just the knowledge that there is omnipotence, not just the knowledge that there is a divine supreme being, we have a relationship. We have a personal experience. We have the assurance of this God's love for us and his benevolence toward us and his good plan and his good will being worked out in our lives. And for that, we have a ton of things to rejoice in, don't we?
For the month of August, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Bullies and Saints, an honest look at the good and evil of Christian history by John Dixon. With all the violence, oppression, and bigotry that has been carried out in the name of Jesus throughout church history, many today are questioning if Christianity is actually good. In his book, Bullies and Saints, John Dixon takes a critical look at the history of the Christian church, both the horrific and the honorable. Whether you're a Christian or an atheist, you will understand Christian history with the help of historian John Dixon through a balanced and honest examination of both the good and evil of church history. If you've ever struggled with the atrocities that have been committed by the Christian church, then you need to get this book because the worst of church history is only half the story. The book Bullies and Saints, an honest look at the good and evil of Christian history by John Dixon is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.